everyone and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host Mackenzie and I'm super glad that you are here and listening. Today we are on episode 51 and for today's show I'm welcoming back my good friend Lindsay Walder. So if you've been a longtime podcast listener you know that Lindsay was originally on episode 5 of the show. Lindsay is a wife, a mom of many sorts. She's a biological mom, a foster mom, an adoptive mom, and a dog mom now too and she's also a photographer and writer on episode five we discussed their foster care and adoption journey along with the importance of reunification with families and what it's really like to be a foster parent and breaking down some of the stereotypes behind that that episode five is still the most listened to episode ever of the show. So I knew that I wanted to have Lindsay back on because I knew that this is a topic that a lot of listeners care about and that she's just a super fun person to have on and people love her. So I asked her back for episode 51 and 52 And part of the reason is because National Adoption Month is upon us. Okay, so November is National Adoption Month, so get ready to be aware. There are a lot of waiting children who need advocates and who need parents, and so that's why we're talking about this topic right now. Lindsay has always been a very vulnerable person and someone who's open about many, many things because she loves being a resource to anyone that she can. So I always really appreciate her willingness to share about her family and about a lot of really personal things. I know you're going to love listening today. Lindsay and Gabe have expanded their family since our last episode in more ways than one, so we're going to hear about that. We're going to discuss their son Leo's journey into their family and hear about the process of deciding to do a domestic adoption rather than foster care or an international adoption. It's such a sweet, sweet story, and I really enjoyed hearing it. You're going to get the goosebumps while you listen. In part two that will come out next week, Lindsay and I are going to discuss more of the hard topics, the not-so-pretty side of foster care and what it's been like dealing with racism and raising an interracial family. So like I said, some hard topics, but things that Lindsay is really open about and is learning about and I learned a lot from her just as she shared about their journey. So subscribe to the show so that you don't miss part two when it is available next week. And don't forget about rating and reviewing. This, as you know, helps people to find the show and it helps those in need because I donate money for every review that I receive. So I want to take a second to acknowledge someone who did take the time to write a review. It only takes a couple minutes, but it means so much to me and gives $2 away every time you do it. So this review is from A. Yodi. They said, this podcast is full of knowledge. If you are a fan of planet Earth, laughing, learning, and food, this is the podcast for you. Mackenzie is one of the smartest, hardworking, and humble people I know. Enjoy your time with her. That's such a nice review. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And thank you for taking the time to listen to this show. It means a lot to me to know that you're listening and that you want to learn about these important topics with me. So seriously, thank you. All right, now sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with my sweet friend, Lindsay. Okay, Lindsay, welcome back to the podcast. Mackenzie, it's so good to be here. It's so good to have you on. I'm so excited. I've thought about doing this show for a long time. You were originally on episode five of the podcast, which now we're on, well, it'll be in the 50s when this comes out. So a long time ago that you were on. And I must say, I re-listened to our conversation uh, in preparation to talk with you today. And Mm -hmm. I was very impressed with us. I was like, man, that was only episode five, but we sound like pros. I feel like Uh I did this on two times speed. So maybe it just like made us sound more confident. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but 
I thought it was really good. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I don't think I've told you this, but part of the reason I wanted to have you back on is because our conversation about foster care and adoption in episode five is still the most listened to show ever. It still has the most listens out of any show I've ever done. So the people love you and they want you back on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm happy to be here. Not because I really feel like I have so much to say, but because I love being a resource to any in any way I can. So yeah, totally. Well, and selfishly, we don't, we're not as good at catching up as we probably should be. (laughs) So it's also fun for that reason, because we just get to talk, which we already did for like 40 minutes before we started recording. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I know. Well, Gabe is under the impression that I'm recording this. Oh, okay. So, so, you know, (laughs) it's like, hey. Hours. I didn't know it'd be that long. Sorry. It just took a really long time. Uh, well, shout out to Gabe for watching all the yeah. children while you do yes. this. Yes. Okay. So, well, I will ask you just to introduce yourself for anybody who hasn't listened to that original episode yet or maybe has forgotten. Can you just share a little bit about you and your family and who you are? Yes. My name is Lindsay Walder. I am married to Gabriel Walder. We are going on 10 years of marriage this year, which feels absolutely Mm -hmm. insane. We are parents to our oldest, Martel, who's six and a half. And then Martel is adopted through foster care. Mm -hmm. And then Esme is our only biological daughter. Mm -hmm. And she's four and a half. And then we have... Our little guy, Leo, who is, um, <laughs> this is a third child. He's 20 something months, <laughs> 20 months, I think right around there. Okay. Uh, he'll be two in January and okay. he is also adopted, but he was adopted privately. So I think last time we aired, we didn't have Leo, did we? Nope. You did not yeah. have Leo. So he's our new addition. Okay. Yeah. You had just, you guys like had just started saying like, yes. okay, we're going to start the adoption process the last time yes. that we recorded. And we didn't even really talk about it last time. So, uh-huh. so yeah. I want to talk about that. But first I want you to share if you can, and I didn't prepare yeah. you for this question, uh-huh. But one of the reasons I wanted to sit down with you this month is because October is, is it Adoption Awareness Month? Uh, I think that might be November, is it? Oh, is it November? Dang it. No, I thought it was I so know. good. You might be right. <laughs> let, me, let me Google real quick. Uh, it's November for sure. Oh. Is it really? Uh, yeah. It's like being so good. Wow. Okay. Yep. You're right. November is National Adoption Month. Okay. Well, when this comes out, it will almost be November. <laughs> so yes. we're preparing people Perfect. for Adoption Awareness Month. Uh-huh. Can you just share what Adoption Awareness Month like is about? Because I know I've seen you post about it before. Yeah. I think it's a special time to just kind of celebrate families who've grown through adoption and to kind of raise awareness of the fact that there are so many waiting children in the foster care system and beyond that need advocates and people who will call them theirs, their own. Mm -hmm. So I think November is, you know, uh, we don't like celebrate as a family make it big or anything like that yeah, it's yeah. more just like hey friends and family if this is something you're thinking of we're here as a resource for you to answer any questions or concerns you might have if you're kind of considering that as an option for your family so okay. just awesome. kind of opens up dialogue and helps people to just feel like hey 
I didn't realize that was that or that's how it was. So yeah, totally. That's great. And when we talked last, like we said, you just had two kids in your family and a lot has changed since then. You have Mm -hmm. a third child and a fur baby. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah. You had just moved to the Portland area too when we recorded last Mm -hmm. time. But so now you've been there for like two years, right? A little over two years. Yeah. Going, yeah, two and a half over. Yep. And you'd also just started your photography business so how let me ask first Uh how's the photography business going the photography business is going really well it's growing and I think despite my neglect of it it's growing which is really good I think neglect in terms of I'm awful at promoting myself on social media and keeping up with posting frequently on social media Mm -hmm. and despite that like I think I just decided a while back that I'm just going to grow by word of mouth. And if people loved what they received the first time and they come back or recommend friends, like that's just the way it's going to go. So this fall has quickly become busy and I've done um, a number of weddings, which has been great. It's so cool. So yeah, it's growing and keeping pressure off. Keeping pressure off is good. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And what about your blog? Are you still writing? I'm not. I think I recently actually... Have you had Mrs. Emily on? Emily Harris? Yes, I have. Okay. (laughs) Well, shout out to Emily Harris. We were just talking the other day, just messaging back and forth a little bit and just kind of talking about her creative process. And I think I was explaining to Mackenzie just before we started this episode that I've been just on this weird kind of mysterious health journey of just chronically feeling not like myself Mm -hmm. and found out I have Lyme disease. So I've kind of been in survival Mm -hmm. mode, it feels like, for a long time. Yeah. And I think when you're in survival mode, you're just kind of grinding through the days and the creative parts of you just kind of, I don't know if they get put on pause, but... It just feels like something that for me has just been put on pause for a little while. Gabe and I had a date the other night and I just said writing is something that isn't going away. It's just in this season of kind of like autumn. I'm like, all my leaves have fallen. Mm -hmm. My tree is still there. (laughs) I'm just waiting for spring. Mm -hmm. I need it to come back. So I'm keeping up my blog. I'm paying for it to remain there. I have every intention of getting back to writing. It's just a busy, more difficult season to get to get it together. Yeah, so. definitely. Well, I think that's a great mindset to have that you're not like giving up on it, but just going to take a break until you feel ready to go again. Yeah. And God's doing something. That's yep. good. Okay. And I we will talk about Leo, your actual new baby in the family. But first, yes. tell us about your fur baby. <laughs> well, we during quarantine, we got a puppy like everyone else who had been on the fence about getting a dog. We're in this weird phase of we had sold our house in Washougal, which is just east of Vancouver, Washington. Mm-hmm northeast of the city of Portland and we were planning on moving into Portland city proper and the quarantine hit. And so the kids and I had to stay sane. We're walking our neighborhood all the time. And Esme had just gotten really into scootering. Mm-hmm. This story is going somewhere. I promise. <laughs> we, we, there's one area of our neighborhood that had a cul-de-sac. And so she would just go in circles around this cul-de-sac. And one day it was just Esme and I walking and this family let out these puppies in the front yard, their front yard while we were scooting. And Esme and I walked up and she started 
crying and was like, they're so cute. Can we have one? Like (laughs) crying because she was overwhelmed with how cute they were. (laughs) And I was like almost right there with her. Our hesitation has been that Martel is allergic to dogs and cats and like anything furry basically. And so we were like, well, we can't just get any pet well these dogs just happened to be golden doodles Mm -hmm. and so the guy who let him out was like well none of them are claimed so take your pick and I texted Gabe a picture of the puppy and he's like okay fine (laughs) so we got a puppy the day we moved into our new house in Portland and praise God and all that is holy because he is a really good dog and we would have been really screwed can't really think of a better (laughs) word if he wasn't (laughs) so he's just been like the best with the kids he really has only chewed one thing and he's like eight months so he's been awesome He's been so awesome and the best addition, easiest transition to entering the family. That's great. Bodie, right? Yeah. Bodie. Yes, Bodie. The golden doodle who sheds. (laughs) (laughs) We're hoping that that goes away after he gets out of his puppy phase. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. So fun. Okay. Well, on top of Bodie, you also have Leo. So tell us about, I I just want to talk about Leo's journey to your family. First, starting Mm -hmm. with what led you guys to say, okay, we want to adopt again, not through foster care. Like we want to do a private adoption. Mm -hmm. What did that decision process look like? And how did you start going about it? Yeah. Because it was a long process. It was a long process. It was a long decision-making process. Yeah. Very long, prayerful journey. So I'll kind of rewind a little bit as a recap. Martel, our oldest, is adopted as well, and he's African-American. And Martel has kind of – his journey was very interwoven with other foster kids that we were hosting as well. And Martel's story – kind of from the very start, there was just really very little parental involvement. And so from the very beginning, essentially, our caseworker had kind of predicted that his case would likely end in adoption. Mm -hmm. And so when that opportunity presented itself for our family, it was not something we had necessarily intended when we began fostering when we started fostering, our heart was really for reunification and holding the door open for biological parents who had lost their kids. And so Mm -hmm. I think we were in love with Martel. And like when we, that opportunity presented, we were over the moon excited. Mm -hmm. And then we had a couple of other kids that we were hosting for one for 10 months and one for six months. And both of the other two children who we were fostering were biracial. They were, yeah, just had the same eyes as Martel and the same hair as Martel. And Mm -hmm. from the very beginning, that was something he picked up on and asked like, hey, why do all the kids who look like me keep leaving? And, you know, that was something that from the very beginning, Gabe and I knew that, we'll rewind a little bit, I think when we had gotten our foster care license, we were very much so like, you know, 
the caseworker had asked, are you open to all races? Or we want you to know that it's a possibility that you will get a child who's a different race than you. Are you okay with that? Slash, what are your thoughts on that? And we were just like, duh. Like, of course we would yeah. say yes to any kid. Like, we don't feel like the command to care for orphans is to care for some and not others. Yeah. It's to care for orphans. And it's like, of course, we are, our door is open to all children. And I think the moment I held Martel in my arms... I also felt the weight of the fact that he was black and that Mm -hmm. there was a lot I wouldn't understand Mm -hmm. about his life, his experience as a black man in America, black male, young boy in America, Mm -hmm. that that was going to be different for him than it would be if we had a white boy in Mm -hmm. our arms at that moment. So I think from from that time, I became very committed and convicted about being committed to understanding as best as I could through research, through friendship, through books and podcasts and documentaries that I would try my best to understand what it was like, what it will be like for him and to learn to advocate from him from the very beginning. And I think as we learned about that in conjunction with trauma and children who've experienced trauma slash Mm -hmm. kids who have been transracially adopted, that trauma can come from a transracial adoption by not acknowledging their race. Mm -hmm. And for them not having a community that mirrors them or looks like them around them. Yeah. And also for having a family, nuclear family that doesn't look like you mm-hmm. or doesn't mirror you. And so two things came into play when Gabe and I were thinking about, I think our lives just kind of re- revolve around orphan care in one way or another. Gabe is the executive director of a nonprofit called Alliance for Children Everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they do orphan care in Zambia. And the primary goal is to reunify children to biological families or to find them a foster to adopt placement in Zambia. Mm -hmm. They do not do, I think they have done international adoption, but it was years and years and years ago. And the philosophy for their program is very different now. Mm -hmm. But I think for, for Gabe and I, we've just felt this on our hearts that there are a lot of waiting children in our world and that's something that we feel very acutely aware of and called to do called to be an active part of but when we i think originally foster care was something we felt exceptionally passionate about but we also felt like the transient nature of foster care especially foster care for kids who are being reunified to their biological families is really raises a lot of trauma for Martel Mm -hmm. and creates a lot of questions about his identity or it did at the time when we Mm -hmm. were fostering and we just feel like for some of these younger years until our kids can decide that they want to be a part of it with us that that's something they want to open our doors to we're not going to continue fostering until then so we think when our kids are a little bit older or when they're out of the house, we have every intention of continuing to foster. Okay. I think it is something they're going to want to be a part of, though, yeah. in the future. Sure. But the door was closed on foster care for us, especially because we're so passionate about reunifying families. And, yeah, the in and out was not an option. Yeah. So I think private infant adoption was something that we really wanted to consider. 
And so when we kind of started the research process, we were definitely like really submitting it to the Lord and praying about it, but just felt very much so like, okay, this is something we're going to pursue. I think it's something that's, we just didn't want Martel to be a, the only black child in our family or the only adopted child in our family. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of our, yeah, it just, that was kind of our, our prayer was that the Lord would lead us to a child who both children, Martel and the adopted child, would feel a sense of belonging with one another Mm -hmm. inside of our family. Mm -hmm. And so Leo entered stage right. (laughs) And uh, we adopted Leo through the private infant adoption process, which is very different from the foster care process. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much you want to know about that, but... Well, I know it was a lot of fundraising, right? Because... That was, yeah. that was surprising to me. I know, I guess, just how expensive, because I've heard that about international adoption, which that's a question too, is how did you decide between like international and domestic, especially with Gabe working internationally? How did you decide that? And then, yeah, was it mostly the fundraising that was the long part or, mm-hmm. or I guess what else don't people know about that kind of takes some time? Yeah. Well, to answer the part about international adoption, mm-hmm. I think... Gabe has done a lot of research and a lot of school. Um, mm-hmm. That's his degree. Yeah, is global global studies, global politics, and cultural studies. And so he knows a lot about trauma, about trauma informed parenting and training, and all kinds of things. And one of the things he felt passionately about was that if there was any way to keep a child in his or her home country that that would be maybe I don't want to offend anybody who's internationally adopted but a better option for that child sure just with with regards to their identity Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what Gabe's organization does and actually Bethany International, which is another international adoption agency, just closed their international adoption programs, or many of them, if not all of them, for the same reason that it's, you know, $50,000 plus for an American family to adopt internationally when you could do five or more in-country adoptions for that same amount of money. Mm -hmm. And so it's just an interesting transition that the orphan care world is beginning to make Mm -hmm. and so I think for us we just really felt like first of all Martel is black he's American black boy and I think Mm -hmm. that's different than African an African child and for Martel we wanted him to have another child who was American and black so they could experience Mm -hmm. that together and have one another as confidants so that was a big motivator mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. And then, yeah, the private infant adoption process is expensive. And mm-hmm. I think for Gabe and I, we did. We did have to do a lot of different things to fundraise to make it happen. And that was a huge part of the waiting was being financially prepared for it. We had applied for mm-hmm. lots and lots of grants take a lot of work we did Mm -hmm. an online auction before Christmas with lots of different makers who donated to make it happen as well which Mm -hmm. was really really successful 
And then I think we fundraised some after that. We definitely did just via like um, almost a crowdfunding site. And it Mm -hmm. just all worked out kind of the way, yeah, the way it was meant to. We raised almost exactly the amount of money we needed to get Leo like a week before we got the call for him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because you didn't know it wasn't like oh, we picked Leo and then for a year we fundraised, like, mm-hmm. right? right? It was like, no, we want to do an adoption, so we're going to do all the legwork ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then you didn't know it was Leo until, like, right. the day before, right? Yes, and a lot of times it depends on kind of your situation. A lot of times you can get matched with a birth mom, sure. and she's earlier on in her pregnancy, and so you have some time to fundraise. But typically uh-huh. you kind of have to put up at least half of the cost of the adoption when the match is made. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, with Leo, he was already born when mm-hmm. we got the call. So mm-hmm. some people have the experience of being present in, in a delivery room with their baby being born. And some people, it works out differently. So for sure. us, Leo was already waiting for us. But so. he was just a couple days old, right? Yeah, he was two days old. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And his story is pretty cool. Yeah. Like all the pieces of confirmation that kind of happened along the way. Yeah, so that that was kind of my next question is just like what has his transition been like into your family? And obviously I know that with foster care, you know, including the birth parents is a big part of that because hopefully the goal is to reunite families. What's that like with private adoption you know is there like no contact Mm -hmm. with his his birth parents right what's that been like Mm -hmm. well Leo's transition to our family was kind of crazy like I'll give you the short version of just kind of how it came to be but we had gotten a so kind of the way it works with private infant adoption is you have birth moms who are kind of coming to agencies or to lawyers and saying like hey I'm pregnant I'm uninterested in keeping the baby. What are my next steps? And so a lot of times, like what we did is we worked with a consulting company who really vets at institutions. That's in an international word, but I don't know why I'm saying (laughs) that. But like the different um, adoption agencies, and they Mm -hmm. are sure that they're practicing ethical adoption, that the, Mm -hmm. the care of the birth mom is of utmost importance and the number one priority. And so the adoption agencies we are working with, they have these women participate in counseling for a number of weeks before they're even allowed to like sign an agreement to put their child up for adoption. So they understand what is involved, what it means for them, what it means for their child. They agree to participate in some counseling after the baby is born so that they're not just like thrown back into life, like everything's normal. Mm -hmm. And then once they agree, they agree, they kind of create, the adoption agency creates a little bit of a profile. And if it, if you guys match up in preference, they'll present to you with this profile. And for example, preference being like, if you're open to an adoption of a child with special needs and they know previously that the child has special needs, they'll present you with that. If you're not open to special Mm -hmm. needs adoption, you won't get presented that profile, if that makes sense. And there are other things about 
exposure to drugs or alcohol or things like that. So we had present, been presented with a number of cases that we did not present our profile to. Mm-hmm. And so we create a profile as well. We had been presented with a, a situation right around Christmas, after Christmas, that we were like, okay, I think we'll present our profile to this family. And we told mm-hmm. our adoption worker that that was what we wanted to do. And immediately after we'd said yes, I just felt super anxious and uneasy. Gabe had, we were home in Illinois for Christmas. Gabe had flown back to Oregon for a conference he needed to be at. And I couldn't sleep at night. And I was like, okay, I think, you know, they're going to present our profile tomorrow or the next two. It it was like two days before they were going to present our profile book to this birth mother with other profile books. And she could choose which family she wanted her baby to be with. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't feel good about this, Gabe. This is, this isn't, I don't think this is right. So he's like, okay, let's take the evening to pray about it. And if you're still feeling uneasy in the morning, we'll say no. Mm -hmm. So wake up in the morning, spent the evening praying together and separate. And I just felt confirmed, like we need to pull our profile because this is not our baby. Mm -hmm. So I called our, our adoption worker and she was like, I think I know why you don't feel comfortable with this placement and I'm going to call you in a minute. And she called and she's like, there's a baby born in Florida. It's an emergency placement and he's available for adoption. Basically. Like, I think this might be your baby instead. And Mm. we, I called Gabe and he was like, Oh my word. Okay. And so we kind of, prayed about it and we're like okay I think that this actually works really well like we can leave our kids in Illinois with family while Gabe and I go to Florida and start our paperwork process and and pick him up and so yeah on our way there you know we really thought it was going to be a girl that was the one like okay a boy this mm-hmm. is great yeah <laughs> um but we had not really thought about boy names and the one name we could agree on was Leon L-E-O-N mm-hmm. and I'm looking up flights for getting to to Florida and I didn't know what airport or whatever. And so I'm looking at a map and I'm like, oh my word, he is in Leon County, Florida. Oh my and gosh, that's crazy. So <laughs> we, I'm on a flight on the way there. I didn't bring anything to read or do on the airplane, which was dumb because I was just like <laughs> so anxious yeah. and like excited. So I start talking to this lady beside me and you know, I'm like, I'm going to get my baby. And she, of course, wants to know more. And later in the flight, she was kind of like, I just want to know, like, do you have a name picked out? And I said, you know, I think we're going to name him Leon. And this is why, you know, the root word Leo means lion. And when I think of a lion, I think of somebody who has a brave heart, Uh who has courage, who um, isn't afraid to speak, who's bold. And I think of God, our Lion of Judah. Mm-hmm. And I look over and she had tears in her eyes and she's like, my husband's name is Leon and oh he's God. a pastor and he's a lion for the Lord and I'm going to be committed to praying for your baby Leon. And so we get there and I get there first and Gabe gets there and we're, we decided and ended up on just Leo, not Leon for uh-huh. his name, but Everything worked out like all his paperwork went through faster than it ever had. And we were able to bring him home to Illinois to our kids and 
got clearance to head back to Washington really quickly. It was just the whole thing was, it just felt really orchestrated by the Lord. So his transition to our family has been, yeah, just really good. He's a sweet, sweet guy. He's a, he's our wild card for sure. Personality wise, Mm -hmm. like he's (laughs) into everything, (laughs) takes everything out of every cabinet. Whereas Martel and Esme were kind of like curious and we would tell them no a few times and then they'd leave it alone whereas Leo is just like Uh super impulsive and funny and wild but like so awesome he's just really what our family needed so oh that's good and yeah Martel's welcome to him was like he is brown skin like I do like yeah Martel like Leo's also black and he's like yes this is the best (laughs) and so it's just been cool to kind of see Martel's confidence in his identity shift to just feeling more like proud of who he is and responsible to helping his sweet brother feel confident in who he is too so Mm -hmm. yeah it's been cool that's amazing. What a cool story. Yeah. That's that's really sweet. What a precious story that was. I am sure that you loved hearing it as much as I did. I'm so thankful that Lindsay is willing to share with us all about the good and the bad and just her family story. It's such an honor to have her on and every time I talk with her, it makes me want to get involved in adoption and foster care myself. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. I hope you feel encouraged today and educated on why these things matter and just how much of a need there is for more foster and adoptive parents. So keep Adoption Awareness Month in mind, even if you don't want to do adoption or foster care yourself, there's probably something that you can do, whether it's getting involved in an organization or donating or just loving on families that do foster and adoptive care. That is something that Lindsay and I talked about in that original episode, episode five. So I would love it if you would go back and listen if that's something you're interested in learning more about. Like I said, don't forget about subscribing so that you know when part two is out. In part two, Lindsay and I are going to take a second and reflect on their foster care journey. If you listened to our first episode together, you heard how difficult it was for Lindsay and her husband Gabe to have to turn kids away for the sake of their family. So we're going to talk about what that feels like now that there's been some time since then and just reflect on that journey. And we also revisited our conversation around race. This is something, again, that we discussed when her kids were toddlers, but I wanted to know what that has been like for her since their kids are a little older now and since they've been relocated to a new community in Portland. I wanted to hear all about that and just since 2020 has happened and all of its events, a lot of them regarding racial injustice. So we discussed some of those hard but really important things as always and it was just a really good conversation. So again, make sure you subscribe to the show so that you don't miss it. All that subscribing means is that you will get notified whenever a new episode is available. It's completely free to do, super easy. You can do it on whatever app you're listening to right now. And again, don't forget about leaving a rating, leaving a review, and sharing the show. I need as much help as I can get to spread the word about this show, so I would love it if you would share with a friend or share online. I would love to hear what you learned, so share something about the show and tag me in it. That would be awesome to hear from you. In the meantime, go back and listen to that original episode with Lindsay if you're interested in learning more. That was episode five. Think about how you can serve the orphans of the world through so many different ways and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out. Thank you.